1 Peter chapter 3, 18 through 22. Christ himself suffered on account of sins once and for all, the righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. Christ was put to death as a human, but made alive by the Spirit. And it was by the Spirit that he went to preach to the spirits in prison. In the past, these spirits were disobedient when God patiently waited during the time of Noah. Side comment here. Um, this is a very interesting bit of scripture that I'm not going to focus on, but I, I just want to highlight. Um, so it is by the Spirit that Jesus was able to go and descend into the prison, into hell, and preach to those spirits, those that had been disobedient, those that God had been patiently waiting for in the time of Noah. So, um, I'm guessing that Jesus doesn't go to preach good news to the spirits in prison to say something like, neener, 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 uh, you're in hell. I'm guessing Jesus did that because there was still hope for those folks, even after their deaths, that God's grace, God's love, breaks through and extends even to those souls disobedient and in prison. I find great hope in that. Um, back to the text. Noah built an ark in which a few, that is eight, lives were rescued through water. This is like baptism. Interesting that the author of Peter here is using the Noah story and interpreting it almost like an allegory for baptism. Drowned in the waters and resurrected a new creation, right? The sin is drowned in the water. Baptism saves you now, not because it removes dirt from your body, but because it is a mark of good conscience towards God. Your salvation comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at God's right side. Now that he has gone into heaven, Jesus rules over all authorities and all powers. Today I want to think, namely in terms of, Jesus rules over the power of death. So today is the first Sunday of Lent, which I love this season. I love it and I hate it. <laughs> I love it because it's so valuable, it's so important, it's made such a difference in my life, but I hate it because it's this constant reminder uh, that life is a lot like training for a marathon. Life is a lot like training and equipping yourself for the purposes God has for us, right? I, I'm supposed to train for the purposes God has for me. I, I need to equip myself. And that means really doing the hard work that Lent asks me to do to connect to God, to connect to the Spirit, right? So um, for those that don't know, uh, Lent is a part of the Christian calendar. So the six weeks leading up to Easter is the time of Lent. 
And historically, and I would argue even today, it should be a time for Christians to begin to prepare our hearts for Easter, to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. It's a time of confession. It's a time of repentance. Um, it's a time of learning to die to ourselves, to prepare that way for new birth, for rebirth, for transformation, for resurrection. But that happens because we begin to do the work now of confession and repentance and death. So think of Lent not as like some horrible time where you have to give up something that you love. <laughs> I've got to give up X, Y, or Z for Lent, right? I want you to think of this like a time of training and preparation. If there are things God wants me to do, then I have to be equipped to do them. If I want to run a marathon, then I have to practice running. I have to get the right shoes. I have to drink enough water. I can't eat five Big Macs before the big race. Right? There are certain things I need to do, and there are certain things I have to avoid doing. Right? Through this all, it is not about my being awesome, my discipline or hard work. It is about me letting God into more spaces of my life to clean out those places that I've said, nope, that's not yours, God, that's mine. And God says, no, Joe, that's mine too. Let me fill that with grace, that spot with love, right? With forgiveness. Let me clean it out. And then you won't have the need for those things anymore. You've given them to me. You've sacrificed them. Right on the altar, you've died to yourself. So that's what we're going to try to practice this Lent. So if you think of it this way, if your life is like a tree, Lent is the time when the tree has to get pruned. For any tree to be healthy, you've got to prune it, right? You've got to cut off the branches that don't belong to make room for the branches that do so they get more energy, more nutrients, and it flourishes. I want you over the next 40 days to reflect on the parts of your life that do not bring you life, that do not bring you closer to God, that do not lead to your own flourishing, that do not connect you to the Spirit, and I want you to consider pruning them away. That might mean not doing certain things, but it might mean adding certain things. Because if you think of your life like a tree, it also means you need to add water and sunlight and nutrients and care and concern, right, and good soil. So you might want to think of Lent like, what could I fill in these 40 days? What could I add that might bring me closer to God? to my neighbor, to myself. Okay, so today's uh, passage of Scripture looks at the story of Noah, and it looks at it as though it were baptism, right? Sin drowning in the waters that something new can be reborn. Uh, right before that, it's about Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' death that might lead to our own forgiveness and rebirth. And all the passages uh, of the lectionary dealt with baptism. The Old Testament was about Noah. 
The, the, the epistle is about Peter and, and baptism. And the gospel is about the baptism of Jesus at the hands of John the Baptist. It's all about baptism. So I want to think about that today a little bit. Baptism's a weird thing to focus on during the first week of Lent, in part because when we think of baptism, we think of resurrection, right? We think about Easter when it comes to baptism. I go in the waters one person, I come out of the waters a new person, right? A citizen of the kingdom of God, a citizen of heaven, a child of God. I'm, I'm affirming my place as a child of God, saying yes to the grace and forgiveness that God offers a new creation. That feels like an Easter metaphor. But, let us remember, if you want to come up out of the water as a new person, logically it means that the old person I was had to drown in the water. There is no way around it. This is the logic of the world we live in. For something new to emerge, something old has to die. You do not get rebirth without death. You do not get resurrection without death. So baptism, we're going to focus today on the drowning. The part we don't want to focus on. The dying in the waters. Baptism, historically, is the way a Christian publicly joined the Christian community. That's how you joined the church. You were baptized and then you could take communion, right? You were now affirmed as a child of God. Baptism was a way you became a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You were no longer a citizen to any kingdoms of this world, right? I have a place now in the book of life. Baptism was this public confession that I am a new creation in Jesus. I now confess Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. Pharaoh is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. But to get to that place, the old has to drown. Which means baptism, I want you to think about baptism like a kind of confession. This is our confession. And it says something like this. I have tried every road to avoid my own death or dying to self. I have tried to stay young and wealthy and powerful. I have tried to stay entertained and distracted. I have done this through women or men or drugs or alcohol or pornography. I've done it through being a workaholic or getting praised for being good and whatnot. I have done all of these roads. I've taken all of these paths to try and assure that I am good enough or distracted from the fact that I'm not good enough. And all of them have led nowhere. Every one of these roads has been a dead end. And baptism is a confession that says, I can't do this on my own. I am ill-equipped. I can't face the fact that I will die one day and you will die one day. I can't face that. I'm terrified of it. And I do everything in my power not to have to think about it. Baptism is a confession that says, I've had enough. It's a confession that says, I don't want to live this way anymore. It's a confession that says, I'm going to fall back into the loving arms of God and you can kill the person I was, Lord. 
You can take all of that and drown it in the waters. And when I come up out of it, I don't have to be afraid of death anymore because I experience the fact that God gives me new life. When I come up out of the waters, I don't have to run from my fear and anxiety and guilt and shame because that's all back in the water. Baptism helps us practice how to die right now. Because if we learn how to die well, we'll learn how to live well. Live free, unburdened, unchained. So Lent is a time for us to die. To die to ourselves. To die to the things that keep us captive and chained. To die to those things that imprison us. If we learn how to do that well, then we will come up out of the waters different. But for me, much of life is spent trying to work hard enough, strategize enough, be good enough, figure things out enough so that I won't feel like a failure, so that I won't feel my own limitations, my own powerlessness to really fix the problems of the world. I don't want to experience that, so if I can just figure things out. So like I have historically treated Lent like, um, I know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to fast every Friday, and if I can just muster enough willpower and not eat every Friday, then I'll crush Lent. I will succeed. I will show how much training I'm willing to do, how good I'm willing to be for God. These are all symptoms of the same problem. Because in the end, the things I, I face in life, I can't fix. I can't keep my teenage son from pain. I have no control to make sure he makes good choices or does the right thing or never fails. Totally out of my control. People come to me with all sorts of problems, which I feel honored that this happens, right? Like that they would share these things with me. But do you know how I feel at the end of it? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help this person or if I even can. Life, I treat life almost like a tug of war. Like I, I'm just, if I could just get enough footing, if I, if I just did enough push-ups, I could pull all those problems into the pit, in the tug of war, and I would win. Like somehow at the end of it, I would feel relieved. And all of those attempts are ways that lead to a dead end. So here's my suggestion this Lent for you, for me, more than anyone. What if I just let go of the rope? What if it wasn't a tug of war at all? What if I just let go? Like I picture my relationship with my wife, tug, like we're in this tug of war, and no matter who wins, we both lose. If I pull her into the pit, I lose. If she pulls me in, we lose. What if we drop the rope? What if it was like that with Sullivan? What if it was like that with my fear of death, fear of failure, fear of not being good enough? What if I just let go? Like... The way I treat baptism, I picture myself getting into the baptism waters and then scrubbing myself like this. Like if I could just get clean enough in these baptism waters, if I could just scrub myself enough, that would be 
awesome. But that's not how baptism works. If you've ever been baptized, the idea is that someone lowers you into the waters. You, you simply give in. You submit. You confess that you can't do any of these things on your own. Baptism is like joining an AA group and you recognize you are powerless to change your life on your own. But only God lowering you into the waters, drowning you in those waters, can transform you. So baptism is a confession that I can't do it and I don't want to try anymore and we just simply die to all of that. To every one of my insecurities, to every one of my fears, to all of my anxieties, we die. And the better I get at dying, the better I get at living. The more I die to myself, the more space God creates for new growth, for rebirth, for resurrection. So what if you just took a deep breath this Lent, like you just exhaled, and like you just submerged, you just fell back into those waters to drown all those parts of you, to let God drown all of those parts of you that keep you in shackles. I was watching a movie last night. Um, it's called News of the World. It's the new movie um, with Tom Hanks. And I was very moved by this film. Uh, I'm not sure everyone would love it. I don't know. I was very moved. I'm just gonna, I won't ruin it. I just want to give you a short component because it crystallized what, what I'm trying to communicate. So the movie is essentially about a man who goes from town to town in like 1870. It's like just after the Civil War. And these towns, there's like these small towns in Texas, they have no idea about what's happening in the world. So he goes from town to town to read the news. Right? So he's just bringing them news of the world. But he, he becomes wrapped up in the story of this 10-year-old girl who um, was living uh, as a member of a Native American tribe, um, uh, the Kiowa tribe in Texas, but uh, her family had been killed. And so he, he takes her in on this journey with him, right? And she's experienced this incredible grief and trauma. He similarly is running from grief. And at one point, he recognizes what she's going through, like she's experienced something that no 10-year-old girl should ever experience. And so he begins trying to communicate to her, like they don't speak the same language, but he's trying to say, like, you, you've got to like, move forward. Life is a straight line, and you can't ever go backwards. You've got to keep moving forward. You can't think too much about it. You've got to move on. I know this has happened to you, this pain has happened, but you've got to move forward. And so she begins to understand what he's saying, right? Like she gets his hand gestures and she realizes, and so in her own language that he can't understand, she says, but you can't move forward until you remember. You have to first remember and deal with that before moving forward. And what's profound about this moment, of course, is that it's symbolic of what I would argue what the U.S. has done. Let's just move forward from 
our past traumas of, of what we've done to the natives, Native Americans, uh, what we've done uh, to in slavery. What we, let's just put that aside and move forward. And there's this very profound thing about, well, you can't move forward until you remember, till you own. But in, in his life, in this man's life, he's been running from his grief for five years, running from the pain that he is convinced will destroy him. But you can't actually move forward. There is no forward until he remembers, until he grieves, until he lets himself feel it, till he dies to all those parts of him that want to push away, that want to run, that want to pretend, that want to distract. What would it be like for us to own all of that pain, all the pain of our lives, to let ourselves feel it, to know it won't kill us, to know that we can literally take it into our arms and then go under the water where God wants it, like all of it. So this Lent, maybe what you want to take into the waters, what you want to drown, what you want to give to God, right? What you want to give is your fear, is your anxiety, is your anger, is your powerlessness, is your own mortality, the fact that we will all die. Maybe this is what we give to God, that He might make us alive really alive. It's just not going to happen if you try harder. Like, I'm tired of trying harder. I think I'm ready just to let it go. So, to reiterate my challenge this Lent, there are this might, for these 40 days, it might be best for you to think about something really concrete. And maybe that really works for you. And I have a lot of suggestions, like there are lots of things that probably don't bring you life that you should let go of, like social media, um, or the news, or, um, you know, television or something, right? Like there are so many things that hold us captive. Um, alcohol, uh, Sweets, I don't know, right? Maybe this is a way of practicing letting go. This isn't a practice of being awesome or showing off willpower. This is a confession that we can't do it on our own. This is an AA-like confession where we try to let God have it. But maybe it's not tangible. And these are the really tricky things. Maybe it really is those insecurities and fears and anger and pride that need to be sacrificed in the waters and let go. Either way, I challenge you to be intentional during Lent. Be intentional with your spiritual life, intentional in ways to connect to God, intentional in ways to connect to this community, because the drowning, I promise you, is followed by resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, the way of the world is that Rebirth requires death.
that it, whether it be in nature, whether it be in our lives, whether it be looking at the, the life cycle of an animal or a tree, if we want new life, it happens from dying and from death. And so give us the faith and the courage to practice dying to ourselves, letting go, letting you into the dark corners of our lives where we have said, you, you're not welcome to this, God. Help us to welcome you in even to those dark places that you might clean house, that we might make room for your resurrection. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would please join us for our closing song.